It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to The World in 10, your daily update on the biggest stories from around the world. As seen through the eyes of the Times of London, I'm Rebecca Myers. And I'm Laura Cook. And today we'll be hearing from reporters on the ground in Ukraine and the Democratic Republic of Congo. And also from the socialite Paris Hilton, who's telling her extraordinary story in her own words. That's all in the next 10 minutes. But first to Ukraine, where the Sunday Times chief foreign correspondent Christina Lamb has been reporting on a worry phenomenon. We spoke to her earlier today. Let's hear what she had to say. As a war correspondent and a mum, I always find what happens to children in war the most heartbreaking thing. And this week I've been investigating a very chilling story, which is what seems to be the forced abductions of thousands of Ukrainian children by Russians, basically to brainwash and resettle them as Russian kids. The numbers are huge Ukrainian officials have documented more than 16,000, but the Children's Commissioner told me she believes that it runs into hundreds of thousands, children from as young as four months old. Christina's dispatch, which is on the Times website right now, opens with the story of Tatiana, whose 11-year-old daughter Lilia is asked to go to a summer camp for two weeks by her school. It's incredibly descriptive, isn't it? And Tatiana, you hear she's sceptical. Um, And as you read through it, you find out that she has good reason to be. Um, She's told that Lilia needs to travel with her birth certificate, which sends sirens in her head. And when Lilia arrives, she has contact with her, doesn't she? Which So you think, oh, right, well, she hasn't completely disappeared. But she then tells her mum that she's been having to sing the Russian anthem every morning. Yes, the story gets darker and darker and it turns out that it is not a summer camp. Lilia becomes one of thousands of Ukrainian children who have been abducted and taken to Russia or Russian-occupied Crimea under the guise of evacuation or short-term trips. And I think one of the things that really struck me from this piece is is also the stories of the parents who then travelled to get their children back, Ukrainian parents going on extraordinary journeys to get their children back from Russia. Two of the mothers I met went on an extremely perilous journey right into Russia to try and rescue their daughters, an astonishing journey of more than 5,000 miles. But others are still waiting. So you hear those harrowing stories there from Christina, and she also documents Daria Harasimchuk, Ukraine's Commissioner for Children's Rights, who says in the article that Russians are using the word evacuated, but Daria says that isn't the word. The word they are wanting to find, it's abduction and brainwashing and it's an act of genocide. 
And another one of the the chunks that stand out for me in this article, according to Harris Simchuk, there are five methods that are being used. Killing parents and taking the children, taking them directly from parents, separating the parents and children in so-called filtration camps and tricking them by sending children to these sports or health camps that we've just been hearing about, often blackmailing them and kidnapping them from special schools, boarding schools and orphanages. It's a fascinating read, but a difficult one. Absolutely. And it's something I haven't read at all about the conflict so far. So, you know, really incredible insight there from the ground in Ukraine from Christina. And next we go to the Democratic Republic of Congo, where an insurgency bordering on civil war is taking place. We've had a correspondent on the ground there, the Sunday Times for a correspondent, Louise Callahan. She describes it as a conflict of almost unimaginable brutality, unfolding largely ignored by the rest of the world. Now let's hear from her about what she found when she travelled there recently. Earlier this year, I went to Goma, an eastern Democratic Republic of Congo, to report on an insurgency which has killed thousands of people and displaced about half a million people from their homes. This insurgency is between a Rwandan-backed rebel group called the M23 and the Congolese government. And in it, both sides are weaponizing these ethnic tensions that led to the Rwandan genocide in 1994. And the results for the civilians are just absolutely horrifying. We met people who have fled from their villages, from the rebel advance, with literally nothing. I mean, the the lucky ones have a plastic sheet to protect themselves from the rain. And the others just lie down and sleep on the ground where they are. I've never heard stories like them, stories of the most horrifying, sickening brutality that you can imagine. We spoke to one young woman called Grace, she's uh, 20 years old, and she escaped after being captured by the rebels with her baby sister, Nalin. Um, when she was held captive by the rebels, uh, her older sister was, was raped and killed. Yes, that's a, a, a disturbing lesson in many ways, but it is fascinating to hear firsthand from Louise about her experiences in the country um, and particularly about how little coverage there has been, I think, and having reporters on the ground like this is such an extraordinary thing to be able to do and, and to hear from them. And now for something a little bit different. Listen to this. I feel like the whole world thinks they know me. That's hot. That's hot. Sorry, I'm so used to like playing a character that it's like hard for me to like be normal. No one really knows who I am. I'm always putting on this facade or just like happy, perfect life. That was Paris Hilton speaking in her YouTube original documentary, This Is Paris, and it came out in 2020. And fair to say, it showed us a whole new side to the socialite and the heiress of the Hilton fortune. She's now released her memoir and The Times is publishing exclusive extracts from it yesterday, today and tomorrow. And the first one which came out yesterday is a shocking insight into her experiences at boarding school. And I think one of the quotes that really jumped out at me was where she describes a bizarre ritual, what she describes as a form of attack therapy that used to happen for four hours in weeknights. And she says, I'll try to describe it, but I don't know if it's possible to fully understand unless it's happening to you. And that just really struck me as the kind of key message from this memoir is is she's had an unbelievable life and been through so much and you almost can't believe it when you're reading it. 
So another extract on the Times website now, and that details the time when she was 18 in a relationship and her partner wanted to make a sex tape. I'll paraphrase this. He told me if I wouldn't do it, he could easily find someone who would. And that was the worst thing I could think of, to be dumped by this grown man because I was a stupid kid who didn't know how to play grown-up games. Now, that pressure in her memory of when she was 18, talking about the pressure that she felt, that comes across to me, that came across in a really, really powerful way. And I think it will resonate with a lot of a lot of people. You don't have to be an heiress to a fortune and a socialite to understand that pressure. Yeah, I found it fascinating, Laura, because this happened more than two decades ago, this particular instance, and this is a videotape, you know, it is, it is dated, but it's still so relevant today. We're seeing a huge rise in revenge porn. We've recently had a high-profile case of a reality TV star in the UK who was jailed for sharing private sexual videos without consent, and it's so interesting to hear Paris's tale of that fallout of what that feels like for someone going through that, because I think it's something so many women are still going through today. However you feel about Paris Hilton or anybody living in the showbiz world, you can't fail to be moved by this story. Paris Hilton in Times 2 tomorrow. What the teacher did was wrong, yet I still feel shame. So now March is heralding all sorts of new beginnings. Snowdrops, daffodils, brighter weather, longer hours. It's fabulous. And it also, for those petrol heads among us, marks the start of the season for motor racing fans. The new F1 season is kicking off in Bahrain tomorrow. So what can we expect? Well, Laura, in the Times today, the chief sports writer Owen Slot has an exclusive interview with Red Bull team principal Christian Horner. And he has spoken to us a bit about what he had to say. Well, he's he's been telling me that that um, he expects a lot of mud to be thrown at his direction, a lot of adverse opinions to be stirred, um, and, and and that's just the polite version. Because there's a lot of teams out there going, oh well, it's just going to be another Red Bull. Honestly, the language being used by some uh, some of the opposition, particularly the Mercedes, is um is really striking. Um, yeah, Christian Horner, who is who leads the Red Bull team, he's feeling quite happy with life. But uh, yesterday, in practice, suggested even though they're still the very strong favourites, it might not all be that quite that straightforward. So Owen's article goes on to name Sir Alex Ferguson as the kind of leader he'd like to emulate. Um, and he wasn't everyone's cup of tea, he said, but he did what he believed was right and always protected his team. He has the ability to play the psychological game, he describes, and if he could wind a competitor up... He'd do it because it would serve his own purpose. <laughs> yeah, it's great insight there. And I, I loved also just the intro to this piece. Owen writes, I'd like a peaceful season this year, Christian Horner says. He then pauses to enjoy the irony because I think we can be fairly certain that it isn't going to be peaceful. But that's a great dispatch from Owen and great to hear from him there. Now, that's all for today, but we have a sneak peek of tomorrow's episode for you as well. It was all done by WhatsApp. And so, that, you know, that that sort of um, moniker, the, the digital Dunkirk does feel quite accurate in that it was it was this mass exodus, really. And um, but it was all coordinated using whatever people had to have. Escape from Kabul is an in-depth look at the Afghanistan evacuation and how veterans in the UK helped get people out. More on that tomorrow. Thank you for joining us. And don't forget, if you enjoyed the journalism you heard on this podcast, you can take out a digital subscription at The Times of London.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Your History is a new podcast brought to you from The Times, and it brings together the real-life stories from our obituaries desk, which have been published for over a century. In this brand new show, we build on this legacy and explore the endlessly fascinating lives who have enriched and informed our own. Join me and our sponsor, Ancestry, as we journey through your history. History.